you must do this or you must do that. It's a heart issue. It's an issue where um, we know what, what God has done for us. We know that we are saved through our relationship with Jesus and his sacrifice um, for us. And it's in that context that we then talk about this. So please bear that in mind. First thing I'm also going to say, um, maybe we can stick the PowerPoint up if that's okay. When we consider serving as the church, the first thing I have to say, I have to commend this church. I, I've been to a few churches, and, and to be honest with you, this is probably the church that I've been happiest in. Um, and, and there's so many people here that are just inspirational. And that doesn't mean they're loud and noisy. can mean that in some cases. Um, but there's actually quite a lot of people who are, who are just quiet, but in their own way, they, they, they're inspiring. Um, and, and those personalities are very much part of what we're looking at. So as we talk today, I think for a lot of you, this talk will simply hopefully be an encouragement, um, or it should be anyway, uh, almost like a pat on the back, well done, keep going. For one of two of you, it, it, it might be a wee bit more challenging. And what I would encourage you to do is to go back after this and just look at your Bible and say, is what he said right? Because believe it or not, not everything that's said from the front is always right. Most of the time it is. <laughs> but we're always told <laughs> in the Bible. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> he looked a bit unnerved, but then, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll say nothing about the Indian thing, don't worry. Um, um, but uh, what I'm saying is the challenge in the Bible is to go back and check that what is said and what is done is in accordance with that. So that's, again, the other part of the context. So we're going to read just very quickly um, just, just one thing um, to start with, if that's okay. Uh, hopefully it's up there. We'll go to the next slide. Um, there we go. This is just, again, talking about, about the, the church as a body and the church as a community. Um, it says 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says this, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, you might even say Protestant or Catholic, um, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. No matter our background, no matter where we come from, we're one body working together, and it's really important. So we're just going to do a little tiny bit about community to begin with, if we can shoot onto, onto the next slide. Really just talking about community and where we fit in community, both community as a, as a church and a, I suppose as a wider community. So the first thing I was going to ask, and next slide, please, is this here. What actually makes community work? It's something that's really worth thinking through because it challenges perhaps some of our thinking. Um, and the first really aspect up there, sorry, I, I, I created everything on, 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 on PC. We transfer it onto Apple. It really doesn't look quite as good, so hopefully you can see that all right. But essentially, the first thing that a community tends to have is a shared purpose and shared goals. And if we had to say what our purpose was, it, it, it's sharing the love of Jesus Christ. It's spreading his love to other people around. That's our shared purpose to a degree. But beyond that, community as a family, community wider than that there, offers mutual care. You care for me, I care for you. It's shared and there's support there. There's work sharing. And then we get down to the, the four or five things that it's not and that it is. Firstly, it involves sacrifice, not selfishness. There are times when community is a bit of a challenge and it involves a bit of pain. Um, but it's so important 
that, that that sacrifice is necessary. It also involves hope, not fear. A good community should call people um, into hope. It should encourage, it should lift up, it should not keep people down. The next thing it should have is acceptance, not rejection. A good community will accept people. There, are, there will be differences. Unity is not the same thing as complete agreement. Um, but it will accept people and it will not reject them. Really, really important. Um, it will provide support, but this is crucial. It does not try to control. All of us are the same. See when people try to control us. We tend to react against that. And the tighter you try to hold something and make something, something go your way, often people just react against that. Community is not about controlling people. It's about supporting them, encouraging them, building into their abilities and gifts. And that's what we're going to talk about in, in, in a minute or two. And the other thing is this. A community should be creative and not destructive. A community should not exist just to be against something else. A community should be there to build and to lift up. And if it's not, we've got to question its validity. And the last thing is this here, and I think this is really, really important, because a lot of people think the opposite of hate or of love is hate. It's not. The opposite of love, to my mind, is apathy. Just don't care. Can't be bothered. Too much effort. And true love demands effort. True love demands care. True love it demands involvement in other people's lives, not apathy. Well, somebody else has sorted out. So that's what makes a community work. And, and, and actually, just read the Matthew 22 passage there. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them said, an expert in the law tested him with a question, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourselves. And he's basically saying there, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything else is based on that. Everything else is just rules around loving God and loving each other. Um, and, and what I would say is sometimes you don't feel love. Um, anybody who's been married might know that. But actually, the truth is that love is an action. Love is doing good even when you don't feel like it. And it's really important to remember that. A couple of weeks, we'll go on to the next one here. Community fundamentally does together what we can't do alone. Although actually, Jonathan Eves in the bottom was quite able to fall off the ladder on his own. Um, but um, <laughs> pity no one was there to catch him. No, that's not actually true, by the way. Um, so anyway, we'll move on to the, the, just the, the next slide again. And the, I'm not going to read this all out, but it's basically reminding us again of the fact that there are many parts, but one body. And it's the very last phrase on, on that, or the very last uh, bit at the bottom, God put the, the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. We are one, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another, regardless of actions, regardless of views, regardless of background. Um, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it, and if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So it's about sharing life together. And that's essentially what community is. So doing together what we can't do alone. But fundamentally, this comes down to a question for each individual one of us, the individual in the community. And I'm going to ask just the question now, who are you? Not what are you, who are you? And I think it comes really down to three things. And all of these three things come out as you serve in the church and in your community. The first of them is your personality. 
The second thing is your gifts and your abilities. And the last one is your character. And we're going to deal with each of those individually because they are important. Um, next slide, please. So when you're talking about personality, we're essentially talking about what you prefer, your inclinations. You know, are you loud? Are you quiet? Do you like being with people? Do you like not being with people? Do you like being outside, inside? You know, all those things that you prefer and actually go to make up a large part of you. And we'll go to the next slide. Now, this is, we're not going to go through this particular one in detail because it looks a bit scary. But essentially, this is something that's called Myers-Briggs. It's, it's a breakdown of personalities. And it, basically, it uses four things to code, you know, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, you're sensing or you're judging or you're feeling or you're thinking. But what it effectively does is it sort of lays out 16 different personality types, which are actually pretty accurate, it has to be said. I've used it quite a lot in business, and it's very, very helpful. But the point I'm making here is that every one of us kind of naturally fit into one of those boxes. And I, I sort of sit somewhere up in the blue. Um, other people will sit in, in, in the green, others will sit in the yellow. And I'm going to tell you a true story, essentially, out of um, when I was managing in Dunbia. I, I had a, a, an employee that just drove me crazy, absolutely spare. And, and, and I wish it's probably true to say I might have had the same effect on them as well. Um, yeah, but then, hey, who knows? Um, but one of the things we did do was to pull the team together and actually run these things. And what I actually found, and this is actually true, um, on, on the actual opposite end of the scale, everything that I was, she wasn't. And I had to change my management style. And when we changed the management style and we changed how we were working, actually, she became one of the most useful members of the team. Why? Because actually she was doing what fitted her personality and what she was good at. And that's something that's really important. And I'm going to say this as we move on, if we go to the next slide, please. You see, there's a lot of people, possibly even in this room, sit here wishing there were somebody else. Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I wish it was them. I wish it was her, him, whatever. And really, you know, I would challenge that thinking straight away. The first thing I want you to remember is this, that God made you, you. He didn't make you to be somebody else. He made you, you. You are a valuable and special creation because actually you have a mix of abilities, personality, and perspective that nobody else has. And that is valuable. You have value to your community and to individuals around you. And I think you know that. I think whenever you sit, everybody sits down and, and works things out academically, you might not feel like this sometimes, but actually, it is important to know that you are valuable and you have value. And equally in the same way, other people have value to you. And I want to challenge you, sometimes if you're feeling that you don't have value, think of a few people around you and say, do they have value to you? Because actually, if they have value to you, the chances are you have value to them as well. Really, really important thing to remember. But here is the power of personality. Okay, you are not called to be a version of someone else. I struggled with this for a long time. I used to look at, as some people pick at university and go, Flip, I wish it was like them. I wish it was as godly as them. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do the other. And over time, I suppose you learn. And then I start to spot a few flaws in that plan because there's a few things I didn't want either. Um, but actually, you're called to grow in to what God has for you. You're not supposed to be necessarily, you know, if you're big, loud, and noisy, you're probably not supposed to be a quiet, introverted, pious monk, shall we say. It's not good for you. And equally, probably if you're very, very introverted, you're, you're not going to want to be, you know, 
out doing loads and loads of things with people all the time doing different things. You cannot force yourself into something you're not. God calls us into something that we are because he says, I have a job for you. Your personality is perfect for what I need. I just need to mold you. So that's the thing that I really want you to remember. Firstly, your personality is good. It's God-given. It's important and it has value and it adds to the team. When I go back to that person who was so opposite to me, they brought so much to the team that I didn't bring. And that was really, really important lesson, very useful. Move on to the second thing is your abilities. Now, your abilities can be related to your personality, but in many ways they're not as well. But your abilities essentially are the gifts that God has given you when you became a Christian. When Jesus Christ um, came into your heart, uh, or the Holy Spirit came into your heart, He, he, he gave you gifts um, that, that were spiritual gifts that you didn't have before. Other, other abilities that we have are, are God-given as well, but, but we have them. But here's the thing that you need to remember. Now, you know, this is obviously Jason he doesn't recognize that Ronaldo is the best footballer in the world, always has been, but he's a tremendously gifted guy, okay? But the thing that I actually admire about him, he probably isn't as naturally gifted as Messi, but he is a worker. He drove every last ounce of ability out of the gifts and skills that he had. Um, and if, you, if he hadn't worked, if he hadn't practiced, if he hadn't had a go and failed quite a lot of the time, he wouldn't have been anywhere. So it's okay to have gifts and skills, but we have to exercise them and we have to practice. And the other thing is this here. A lot of people say, oh dear, if I get up, I make a right mess. Yeah, well, yeah, you probably would. First time you do anything, you probably make a right mess. But actually, uh, just saying, you know, the first time, say, Andy Young got up and played a guitar, he probably wasn't that brilliant. He's not bad now, though. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Those abilities have to be honed. They have to be built up. They have to be encouraged. And, and that is why it is important to recognize that. Um, because if you don't, you're going to go nowhere as well. So practice must be honed or, or combined with your gifts and skills. Can we go on to the next slide, please? Um, just the, the biblical perspective, there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone, it is the same Lord um, who gives them, the same Spirit who gives them. So that, that is basically saying there's lots of different actions, lots of different abilities. It's the combination of those abilities that builds the church. Just quickly, the next, next slide then as well. So all the necessary gifts and abilities have been given to the church they have been distributed. Nobody here has all of the gifts, just to be clear. Um, even if you think you do, we'll have a word afterwards. Um, but gifts are provided to serve others. But they have to be discovered and developed. And this is one of the challenges and the sadnesses of Christian life. A lot of the time, because people sit go, oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, I don't know. They hide in the background. And the joys um, that people have for them, or that God has for them, and the, the satisfaction in a job well done and in using the abilities God gave you is actually denied because people don't step forward into it. And we're going to deal with that in, in, in a little bit. But it is good to use your gift because you see, unused gifts leave a big, big hole in the community. It is a jigsaw, and you probably can't read half of those, but al along the bottom of those there, you know, you, you have a lot of the, the, the gifts that are there, such as faith and wisdom and service and healing and um, administration is a gift, by the way. It's not one of mine. I wish to be clear on that. Um, prophecy, giving, lots of those gifts. But as you build on up, other things are built on the top of that, the support of people, um, you know, lifting people out of poverty, um, supporting somebody who's just lost something, um, encouraging somebody into a new job. 
just making somebody feel good. All of those things are built below. And if you pull out one of those at the bottom, the jigsaw's incomplete. And the truth is, actually, although you might not feel like it at times, you are really valuable to the church. Your contribution is valuable. Your gifts are valuable. And without you, there's a piece of the jigsaw missing. And it's really important to remember that. And the last one, then, is, is character of the personality. And the character, really, is just the heart that drives your actions. And, and what we're, we're basically told to is to be driven by love, love for other people. And, and that love for other, other people means sometimes financial sacrifice, time sacrifice. It sometimes means just biting your tongue. Other times it means painfully saying something to, to, to challenge or to correct um, it means stepping in there. It means doing life with people and doing messy life with people because life is not black and white for anybody. Um, next slide, please. Um, you see, that there is fundamental where it's at. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. Notice the gifts of the Spirit are given for the common good. They're given to help each other. And if we really love the community, we will work in the community. We will step outside our comfort zone. We will support people um, where we can. We will be behind them. So there, there is a whole issue of service. But one person, you know, well, two people could say, Jason Michelle, cannot support an entire church. They cannot be with everybody. They cannot do that. So it actually falls to us as a congregation and as a people to be there doing the work of the church. It's a combined effort. Next slide, please. Um, because you see, service matters. See, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, um, above all, love each other deeply because love cult covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality, that's our kindness to, to one another as well without grumbling. And each of you should use whatever gift you have to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Um, so loving each other deeply involves hospitality, involves reaching out, it involves being faithful to one another. You see, the church makes a difference to people's lives. The church should be lifting people out of, out of poverty. It should be sitting down with the lonely and creating environments where, where people don't have to be lonely and can come and work and, 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 and do life together. It should help people deal with loss. Loss is always painful. It, it's never not painful, but it can be helped. It can help people during sickness. It can help people during life difficulty, loss of job, um, trouble at home, all sorts of things. But it does need people to step into the gap. And it, it, it involves each one of us reach, reaching out. Um, now, not all, each one of us, we, none of us can individually solve everybody's problems, but we can get involved in, in, in people's lives where we see need. And it's really, really important to remember that. And the more important, the, more, the older I get, um, and then I say the less hair I get too, but we've sort of had a plateau there now, so we have. Um, but you recognize that life isn't in the grand gestures. It's easy to do a grand gesture, actually. Um, life is in the small, unrelenting kindnesses that you do even when you don't feel like it. The things that meant most to me have been sometimes when things were very difficult. Somebody just take me out for coffee. Somebody else picking up a car whenever it needed to be picked up, uh, and I couldn't do it. Um, just getting involved, that's actually really where the, where, the, where the whole thing starts, is the service thing starts in the small, and actually, it's a very biblical principle that when you're faithful in the small, it builds up into the big as well, and God gives you more. Um, but that's even in the developing of gifting, start small, build up, build up, build up, build up, and, and in so doing, you serve, and, and, and you serve more and more. Um, 
and it becomes very, very clear as, as we go on in life that things can be different, but it takes effort. So we'll, we'll move on um, to this. So I have a good question here now. At least I think it's a good question. You might disagree. Um, but why do some people serve and maximize their gift and others don't? We're going to come on to others don't in a minute. But I, I try to break this down and have a little bit of think about it. But I think fundamentally I, I see people serving and really working in the church and in their community and in their families. Because firstly, they're driven by love. There's something in them. There's a God-given love which drives a response. Second thing is they actually recognize that actually it is important that I do something because it is my job. Um, they recognize the importance of service. Service is so important. Stepping out of your comfort zone, inconveniencing yourself, really, really important. The third thing is this, and I think this is really fundamental. They recognize their own value and importance to the community. You as an individual are important to this church. You're a child of God. You're a special child of God in this church for a reason. And you're important to it and you're valuable to it. And recognizing your own value is also a good step towards recognizing other people's value and actually getting in there and serving together. The next thing is they recognize that any gifts and abilities you have are God-given. And they're there for the service of others. We've seen that earlier on, just in, in, in one of the verses earlier on. But the other thing is this, they also recognize that service costs. And I think this is really clear. People, I, I see a lot of time people getting really enthusiastic about something and, whoa, we get it started really well. I'm pretty good at that, actually. It's the finishing bit that's the difficult bit. Um, you know, and, and, and the, there's a real importance to recognizing as we step out, A, that we don't overcommit. But B, it is going to be hard, and I'm going to see it through to the end. So there's a recognition at the start that this isn't going to be easy. It might seem wonderful at the start, um, but it is going to get difficult sometimes. And you need to know that as you go in. And that's why Jesus often challenged people to say, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, no, well, not that the worst scooters, get on your scooter and follow me. It'll be much easier. It was actually a question of carry your cross. This is going to be difficult. Count the cost before you do it. Count the cost we start. And, but the truth is, we have been given so much by Jesus that it demands a response out of love to him. We love because he first loved us. So I think those are the key points in serving and, and maximizing your gift. The other question then is, is, as we go on, why do others choose not to? And again, apologies, this isn't quite laid out as it, as it should have been. But the first thing is this here, is that sometimes people have a wrong understanding of what church is. And this isn't, by the way, an accusation, but it is an observation, and I have seen it, that some people treat the church as if it's their consumers. It's like a supermarket. Oh, I like that supermarket. I'll go in there. I'll sit here. I'll, I'll, I'll sit in the back. I'll be entertained. I'll meet some nice people, and I'll leave. That's not really what church is. You know, it can have all those things. It can be very enjoyable. There's great people there. Um, sometimes there's great speakers, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all the rest of that. It can be that, but actually it's much more fundamental than that, is that church is actually um, somewhere where we serve together. And I'll touch on that on the, on the next slide. The second thing is too busy, other priorities. Now, this is not a guilt trip. Sometimes that is true. Sometimes in life, you have elderly parents to look after. You have really young kids. You're sick. Your job is just totally taken over for a while. Um, that, that is okay. There are sometimes reasons. So be really clear on that. But sometimes there's not reasons. Sometimes it's just excuses. Sometimes people just can't be bothered. Uh, oh, I've just all over. I'll do that instead. That's much more fun. 
And actually somebody said, this is more fun, but is it the right or the wrong thing to do? And that's the challenge that I think I want to leave with, with, with all of us in this room. What are our priorities? And, and, and let's get them right. And, and, and God wants us to have our priorities correct. Um, and it's different for all of us. I can't judge you, you can't judge me, but it needs to be driven by the heart. Are my priorities correct? Am I doing what, what God would have me to do? The other one is this, and this is a tragic one, and, and, and I am going to come down strong in this, can I be honest with you? A life ruled by fear. Lots of people live in wee prisons of their own making. I couldn't do that. I'm not good enough for that. Oh, I can't. No, not, not me, not me. I don't have the ability to do that. We are called to bravery in Jesus Christ. We are called to bravery. We are called to step out. I'm pretty sure actually the first time Claire went to India, that wasn't that comfortable actually, so it wasn't. It was, it was a bit scary. There's a, there's a few other things I've done in my life. I mean, I, I started a business in response to a sermon of Jason's, actually. So far, it was a good idea, Jason. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but it, it was actually, that I knew God had been challenged. I tell, let me tell you, that, that was scary. It still is, I have to be honest with you. It is frightening. But actually, the spiritual benefits that have accrued as a result of that, of stepping out because, um, you know, God told you to, and you just did it even though you were scared. Unbelievable, and, and I believe I would have missed out hugely had I not done that. Um, so I want to just challenge you in that if God again has led something in your heart, it's not rude to get up there and lead and push and do it. It's just God given. It's a correct response to God. If God's asking you to do something and you know you have the ability, and you know, and even if you don't think you have the ability, and God's saying it to you, it's maybe time to get moving on that. So that life ruled by fear is a real challenge. It holds so many people back. Other people feel like failures. Let me let you into secret. doesn't matter how loud or how quiet you are. Everybody feels like a failure a lot of the time. Everybody. Every single. doesn't matter how confident. Um, I often think sometimes maybe the most confident people are the most insecure. Why is it that so many celebrities' lives seem to be in a complete mess? It's because actually life and, and, and who you are is based on the wrong thing. God says very simply, you're valuable. Doesn't, doesn't embellish it. You're valuable. It's, there's no debate. There's not much other discussion other than that. You're valuable. Um, and you know what? All of us fail. I have a litany of stuff I rather, I rather wish I hadn't done. But the only thing I can tell you is I've learned a few lessons in my time. Um, and that's why I love um, the Apostle uh, Peter. He, was, he made a complete hymns of so many things so many times. And yet... He was, and we're touching this in a minute, he was the rock on which the church was built. Despite that, he had failure after failure after failure. And it's incredible just to recognize that God wants passion, love for him. He doesn't want absolute perfection all the time because he knows you're not going to get it. He just wants your heart given over. So even if you feel like a failure, stepping out in God's strength will provide success. Simple as that there. Other people are more gifted. Well, yes, that is true. Um, <laughs> it's just as simple as that there other people have different gifts they're more gifted, they're better than you doesn't matter how good you are, there's always somebody better doesn't matter how strong you are, there's always somebody stronger get over it sometimes a different perspective is what's needed not the same person okay, and I have been in room after room where, where people have just been speaking quietly they're not upfront speakers but they've said stuff that just stuns you it absolutely blows you away. I've been in rooms or with other people who just encourage you. They're, they're not from, what I'm saying is it doesn't matter um, whether somebody is more gifted than you. There are times when you have something that is more valuable to say or do than they do. And it's really important. When God lays something in your heart, you know, attitude is so much more important than ability. Doing something in God's strength because you're scared witless 
It's much better than somebody bouncing up there confident, I can do it myself. It, it doesn't work that way. So don't worry about that. If you are gifted in that area, it doesn't matter if somebody's better. You are called to serve in that area. And by the way, they might be better because they practiced it more. That's another thing that's worth bearing in mind. So you have to practice. The other one is this. This is a very Northern Ireland thing. Don't put your head over the parapet. It might get shot off. Um, I don't know if that's literal or not. But all oh, they, they, they got above themselves. Good to see them brought down. That's a hateful attitude we have over here. It's terrible at times. Sometimes you have to step out there. If nobody steps up and takes something and grabs it and pushes it, it doesn't happen. And you see, we have this attitude as well about it being rude to push yourself forward. No, it's not. It's not rude to push yourself forward. It's rude to tramp on other people. It's rude to say you're better than somebody else. But if God gives you an ability and a gift, it's there to be used to serve other people. And that's the thing to bear in mind, that, that in the church, as you, you, you step forward into service, it is stepping forward into service. It's not stepping forward into celebrity. It's stepping forward into service. You're a servant. So it's not rude to push yourself forward to serve. Just be really, really clear on that. And do put your head over the parapet. And can I be clear? It will be shot off sometimes. Sometimes in church, there's some quite surprising things happen, shall we say, that shouldn't. People say things they shouldn't. There's wrong attitudes. There's, there's an awful lot of things that need challenged in church. But if nobody steps up to do the work that's to be done because they're scared of that, there's a bit of a problem. We're all sinners. We will offend at times, but there is forgiveness. Um, but you have to step forward and work on that. We'll go to the next one. So here's just the, the, the bit I want to leave you in that, and we are moving gradually towards the end. You'd be pleased to know. Um, there are times when we must serve. There are also times when we must receive. So it is okay sometimes to not be doing something. It is okay to just be receiving ministry. That is fine and good. But you know yourself sometimes that there are times when you also must give that ministry and you must give that service. And therefore, you need to step into it. So both are okay, but there are times for both. So please just bear that in mind. And here's what I want to say. It is a place, the church is a place of relief and support, um, but it's also a place of service. Um, it's also a place of service. So it's, you find relief, you find support in the church, but there are times when you have to serve and you must serve. So finding and using gift as, as we move broadly towards the end of this. Now, I want to show you a little clip. Um, if we can get this, well, hopefully this will work. If it doesn't, I'm going to have to describe it.
You know, I often wonder why the music didn't put him off, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but in truth, truth be told, serving God sometimes looks a bit like that there. Um, if it had been me, I'd have been down my hands and knees doing a wee bit of patting, by the way, before I sort of stepped, you know, I wasn't sure about that, but anyway. Um, I, but the, the truth is that sometimes serving God does look a bit like that. He didn't know if that bridge was there until he stepped onto it. Um, and therefore, in finding your gift, sometimes you don't know that that gift's there until you, you, you try it. And, and this is what we're sort of going to move quickly on. If we go to the next slide now, if that's okay. James 2 says this here. Um, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can, someone, can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about it, about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Um, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds or by what I do. You believe there's one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. Sometimes, in the, in the emphasis that we have that there's only one way to God, which is the forgiveness through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we sometimes forget that the only evidence of that is a changed life. So, yes, we're saved by faith, and we're only saved by faith. Nothing we can do can get us to God. But having received that grace, actually then, there is that response and it is, it's a, it's a really pertinent example. Sometimes there's just things in the Scripture so clear. You know, it's freezing. You know, you pretend it's February now. You forget that nice weather. There's wind blowing left, right, and center. Somebody's in here, they have a T-shirt and a pair of shorts on. Um, they've no food, they've no money. Go, keep warm and well-fed. Nice to see you, brother. See you next week. Not a lot of use in any shape or form. And that's sort of the context in which we're talking about looking for gifts. So in discovering our gifts, um, can we move on to the next one if that's okay? Um, we have to have a few attitudes, and this is why it's a hard thing. The first thing is we have to be willing to serve. But it's okay sitting, sitting there going, I'm willing to serve. Um, actually, sometimes you have to go, okay, this is what I think God is laying on my heart, and coming to the leadership or the, 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 you know, whoever's running different ministries, say, look, I'd like to have a go at that. I think I could help. And you know what? The most encouraging thing I think that a, that a, that a pastor can have is people who are involved and want to get involved and help and to drive on and push things on. If you want to be an encourager, please get involved. And please find things that you can do and where your gifts are. You share what God is laying in your heart. Share what you think your gifts are. And try lots of things, probably related to what you think those gifts are. But actually, sometimes you just have to try something and see. And here's the bit I want you to remember. Make a few mistakes. Go into something. I'm not going to do this perfectly. I don't think I'll be... But I'm willing to make a mistake. I wanted to make a fool of myself every now and again just to try something and to step forward. And then I think the other thing that follows on from that is get a bit of honest feedback as well. Do you think, do you, think you know, that maybe is my area? Do you think I have gifting there? And I think if people are honest with you, they will. And they'll point out, yes, you're really good there. That, that, you, that was superb. I think you could do a wee bit of development there. But see that type of feedback. I have it all the time in, in a lot of areas, and it's very, very useful. That feedback drives you forward. And here's the other thing. Keep trying. Just because you fail once, doesn't mean that actually you shouldn't try again. You know, I think if you've got repeated failures in a brick area, maybe you need to move somewhere else, but that is a judgment area more than anything else. Um, but, you know, everybody will fail sometimes in everything they do. Um, simple as that there. But can we move on and 
this is something I think we have a wee bit of a, an issue with, and we are coming to the end now. We have to be honest with ourselves. There's a Northern Ireland thing that goes, oh, no, 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 me, I'm not that good. They're much better than me. No, 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 I wouldn't do that there. I think ultimately that comes down to being dishonest with ourselves and perhaps with other people as well. We have to consider ourselves sensibly. We have to look at how other people would see our gifts and abilities. We have to look at what we're good at and what not so good at and what our comfortable operating areas are. Now, that doesn't mean we have to be comfortable all the time. Um, but what it does mean is, is this somewhere where I feel equipped? Is this somewhere where I am actually serving and, and my gifts are suited to it? And that judgment's normally made a little bit in. If you're good at something, you're good at it. It's as simple as that. Please remember that. And underplaying or overplaying your abilities is actually dishonest. Um, and I'm not accusing anybody of that here. I'm just saying that is the, the fundamental truth. And as you look at your gifts and your abilities, that is something that we need um, to, to get to and to consider. And we just move on to the, the last, last wee bit, really. You can tell when you're in the right place when firstly your relationship with Jesus is going, is growing. Your ability is growing. Your abilities are appropriate to the area in which you're serving. And your service is usually a joy. It's not all the time, by the way, but a lot of the time it is. And fundamentally, you're making a difference to the lives of people around you. That, that's actually how you can tell you're in the right place. Are you changing lives? Are you making things better for other people? And then the next slide, one of the things I do want to encourage you about is being an encourager. Because Jesus saw people as they could be. He didn't see, see Peter as a, as, a, as a failure and somebody who was a bit flaky. He said, I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. He saw what he could be. And in this room, there's tremendous potential. There is so much gifting, it's untrue. Um, and we need to be calling each other into our gifting and potential. And so when you see gifting and potential in people, encourage them. I think you're good at this. I think you could maybe, you know, get behind them. And even when they make a mistake, oh, I knew you couldn't do it. No, when, whenever, whenever I actually do make a mistake, get on behind. No, no, you, you, this is your, push on and do it. And when they do it well, pat on the back. It's, it is really, really important to be an encourager. Everybody needs encouragement. So what happens when we all take part? We'll skip on to the next slide. When we all take part, firstly, we become a true community. If only some of us are doing the work, it's not necessarily a true community. The load is equally shared. No one is overwhelmed. That's a challenge in church. Sometimes when people don't get involved, other people do, and they take on more and more and more and more and more, and then they get totally overwhelmed, and they do everything half well. Those serving grow in their faith. We build friendships and support networks around me. Most of the people that I am, I am most friendly with and I'm closest to, I, I've done work with, I've worked with, I've, I've just done life with. We become attractive to those around us as a church. We become a hospital for the injured. We, we, we become a support to society, but most of all, we attract people to Jesus. There's something different about those people. So what's our response to this then? Firstly, as a checklist, um, I, I can't actually read that. Oh, I can from here now, so I can. So just a few questions just to ask yourself. I'm not going to expand on them. Just questions for you to ask yourself. Number one, do I believe in the importance of community? Number two, do I recognize the value of other people in the community? Do I recognize the value of myself in community? Do I recognize the value of serving together? And am I being honest to myself and others about my gifts and abilities? Am I prepared to inconvenience myself to serve others? Am I prepared to take the responsibility which God gives to me and not run away from it? Have I tested my abilities? Have I practiced or am I practicing and using my gifts to get better? And fundamentally, is my relationship with Jesus becoming more intimate and dependent as I move on in his service. 
that's just a wee checklist. If any of you want it, actually, you can have it afterwards. Um, so last slide then. What's the response for each one of us? Well, number one, for some of you, simply just be encouraged. Keep doing what you're doing. You've heard Jason and Michelle both mention the left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. That is just so important. Keep doing what you're doing. There's so many people in here who are serving just tremendously and being encouragers um, and driving things on. For some of you in the room, there might be a need to change what you're doing to maximize the gifts you have. Maybe you're in the area that actually isn't completely right for you, but there's something else that's just burning in your heart that God has given you to take on. Well, pray about it. Bring it to the leaders. Take it on. I think some of you here might need to consider scaring yourselves. Um, actually trying something new, looking for gifting that actually is in every one of you um, and is in everybody, but how can I use it? And it might be one of the scariest things you've ever done, but I can promise you this, stepping out in faith never goes unrewarded. There's always an encouragement, there's always a building, and there's always a reliance. And, and lastly, I think all of us need to step out and point out gift where we see it and support others. So where you see somebody has gift, an ability, or even it's just doing a good job, do say it. And if you see an ability, uh, somewhere for somebody to serve, encourage them into it. Um, really, really important. And I'll just, just finish with this verse, and then, and then that, that's it. It says, this is Jesus talking, um, and, and, and he's basically talking around um, those who are, who are saved and, and, and unsaved. And what he's basically saying, those that are saved, their lives will impact others. Um, and he says, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Sounds like a lot of effort, actually, doesn't it? Um, but it's actually what we're called into. Um, and, and I'll just leave that with you. And I think we'll just close in prayer, will we? And then the, the service will be over, and then we'll go get coffee. So, Father, we just thank you for the special, special people that are in this room. We thank you so much for just the gifts and the abilities you've given. We thank you for the heart of love that you give. And we pray, Father, in your spirit, that your spirit would pour into us, Father. Fill us with love for one another. Fill us for, with love for our neighbors and those around us, even those we don't agree with. Father, fill us with your heart for people who don't know you yet. And Father, just convince us in our own hearts of the service you have for each one of us. Show us what we're to do. Show us how we are to respond to you in love, Father. And we just pray that you would bless this church and this place, Father, as it reaches out um, to people who need help. Help us to be supportive, but most of all, Father, help us to be grounded in you, working and stepping out in faith, stepping out in the strength of your spirit. We love you, Father. And we want to thank you for your goodness to us. And we just pray your blessing on us now, Father, as we go ahead into this week. Um, in your name we pray now. Amen.